This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror, a podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from a newcomer's and an expert's perspective. I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And today we are going to talk about the 2006 comedy horror film Slither, directed by James Gunn. That's right, James Gunn of Guardians of the Galaxy fame now, as we would know him, uh, thrust into the mainstream after... uh, just a few short ones like this, and he did a super, and then bam, right into the big leagues of Marvel. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, this guy this guy has a history, actually. He started as a screenwriter working for Troma Films, so you'll notice that in all of his movies, or almost all of his movies, Lloyd Kaufman will appear. Uh, he, does, he, he appears in this one as like a sad drunk in the police station uh, uh, yes. at one point. Um, but yeah, that's how he got started. You know, his career was... It's, it's a really cool thing to see somebody who starts doing trauma. Like, anybody who knows trauma knows that it is just making movies for, I guess, the love of making really crappy horror films, you know? Yeah, just like schlocky B-horror oh, stuff. Oh, so, but, yeah. But it, honing a craft to the best that you can. Like, actually putting a fun... Trying to make a fun spin on it. And uh, James Gunn always... Like, he's always been a director that I kind of admired, even in the less... Uh, critically received uh, movie Super, where he always tried to put uh, like th- there is a certain charm to James Gunn movies that is unique to him that I very much like. It's very, it's not callously humor. It's not callous humor, but it's that kind of black cynical humor that's still bright and cartoonish if that makes any sense yeah i mean to to give people a little uh, a little background of some of the things that he's done like he wrote the screen his first credited screenplay was for tromeo and juliet which was troma's version of romeo and juliet i've seen it holy crap it is batshit crazy so yes yeah and he was he was in it and his brother was in it as well um and just, like, seeing that, and then he wrote, you know, he was doing a lot of stuff for Troma, like Tromaville Cafe. He was the host of that TV series for it, I think, or at least... And then he did, um... Maybe he wasn't a host, but I know he created that, and he did a lot of other things for them as well. Uh, and oh, then yeah, He had and his it, fingers in a lot of pies before getting into uh, mainstream films. And he even rewrote, or he did the remake, the screenplay for the remake of Dawn of the Dead in 2004. So mm-hmm. he's again, got a, surprisingly, not a bad remake. Yeah, he also he also wrote the screenplay for Scooby Doo and Scooby Doo Two. So hey, I mean, you know, <laughs> gotta get paid, right? L- lots of stuff here. <laughs> uh, but to, but to get to Slither, this was kind of his. I, I would say this is his breakout film. Uh, yeah, well, this is directorial his dire- debut, of, absolutely. Of course, but like, yeah. also not like did not go unnoticed amongst. Uh, horror fans and uh, critics alike. Well, no, it, it, at the time when it came out, yeah, it did. It made no money whatsoever. This movie this movie bombed when it came out into theaters. It opened to about $3 million. It to- the total U.S. gross was around $7.75 million, 
with a budget of $15.5 million, when you add on marketing costs, this movie cost about $30 million to make. And its worldwide gross was only $12 million. It didn't make even close to its money back. Critics didn't even know what to... Just didn't understand this movie. And a couple of people said, hey, this could be the death of the horror comedy as we know it. And for a few years afterwards, we didn't really see that many. And beforehand, we hadn't seen too many horror comedies uh, coming around. You know, I mean, you had like The Frighteners in, in 1996 and a couple of other ones, but The Frighteners wasn't even a box office success. No, so and the frighteners was super far in between this and the frighteners. We did that was a lot of not horror comedies that were prevalent in the main stage. Uh, yeah, you got a, you point. got a decade basically going in between and a lot of people thought this was going to be the death of it uh, and put the nail in the coffin. That wasn't true. I mean, once we got into more of Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and some of these other digital distribution things, we saw more horror comedies gaining success like Tucker and Dale vs. Evil and finally the release of Cabin in the Woods. So that was really cool. But this movie, this movie uh, pays homage to a lot of movies from the 1980s. And, oh man, there are a lot of them. And there are a ton of references as we go through this movie. Now, to give people a little understanding of what this film is about, all takes place in a small town. Traditional story of small town. Meteor comes down uh, from space and crash lands. A uh, person discovers it. They get infected with this alien slug-like parasite. You know, all hell ensues as they're trying to spread this worm-like... There are these slug-like uh, creatures all over the world. Um... Or all over this town. And that seems really similar to a lot of movies right off the bat. The first thing I think of is Night of the Creeps, which this movie is almost like if you just took it out of a college setting and said, hey, we're going to have it take place in a small town instead. So if it's like if they mix the blob and Night of the Creeps together, you got you got uh, Slither, you know? Pretty much. And uh, I think probably the cornerstone of, I, to me, this movie's success in my book is uh, its characters and its wit and charm. Uh, James, whenever, James, whenever James Gunn brings like his own personal screenplay to the table, it's always filled with memorable characters and uh, a lot of charm and personality. Even if they're not like gut-busting laughs, there's, there, are, there are always like clever chuckles and fun beats that bring life to uh, this seemingly random group of characters. Every single person that had a speaking line in this movie had a distinct look, uh, sound, feel to their character that they owned so much. Even if it was like this random bit part of like a side cop in the station. And like everybody had their own character look and like they were, they seemed meticulously handpicked to stand out. It was, it was actually kind of amazing to see. Uh, because you don't usually think about all this, like, to have, like, you know, these interchangeable cops in a police station or this, you know, random drunk at a bar or some other person, like, walking up. And, like, everybody has their own thing going on, even if it's a small, fun little thing. Uh, and I think that's probably the best part of almost any James Gunn movie, but this one in particular. And it really starts to stand out for becoming the cornerstone of his style. No, oh, yeah, I, I agree. I think, like, there there's so much going on for this film that I really enjoy. I mean, some of the some of the stuff that 
this film pays homage to, I'll just throw out a few of those real quick on top of, you know, the Night of the Creeps reference. Um, and you know, the, uh, well, the blob reference, um, <clears throat> like when I'm looking at this and when I'm watching it, I just keep seeing things pop out the entire time. Like right in the beginning, as you're going through the town and they're showcasing like all these buildings that exist in this town to flesh it out for you. What do you see? RJ McCready's funeral home. Oh yes. So it's already being like, all right, we're, we're just going to do everything. So they've got that pays homage to the thing and then also you have the mayor is jack mccready so it's the same type of name as rj mccready it's really cool that there's like that it connects that way um and then you'll see hen and lotter's saddle lodge banner uh that's hanging up in town paying homage to director frank hen and lotter who directed movies such as basket case and um frankenhooker so yeah, th this movie, this movie literally wears its influences on its sleeve. It, it really does. Who seems to know anything about horror movies? Like there is something clearly sticking out at you to uh, say that, like, hey, I'm like me, James Gunn. I I know what I'm doing here, or like I know my shit. Oh, it, absolutely. And, I mean, he has he has like Earl Bassett High School named after one of the ca characters from Tremors. The Toxic Avenger is even playing on TV. Uh, when the character of Brenda's with her baby, when, um, when, uh, what's his, oh, Grant Grant goes over to try and hook up with her. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, but it's, it's so cool. And then other movies that, that are heavy influences on this, Shivers with the brain slugs, um, the deadly spawn, which kind of has that idea of an alien coming in and just growing and feeding and becoming bigger and bigger, which happens to Brenda when she gets the those uh, slugs kind of impregnated with slugs and they start to gestate inside of her and grow and grow and grow. Um, you know, it pays homage to things like critters from beyond, uh, brain damage, invasion of the body snatchers, the whole idea of the hive mind. And then the biggest one by far, at least that I think that comes towards the end society, that ending scene with the zombie town folk just merging with the giant grant grant creature Right. It's all just this weird amalgamation of just gooey fleshes. Like you get to each... see like one guy kind of just morph into the collective blob. Like right. his face just starts to like slide into it. Like it's really, really great. And if you've ever seen the movie Society, this is the only other film I think that I've ever seen that pulls off something like this. And Society was the one that... Well, Society did it in 1989. It was a Brian Usna film. Uh, he was the producer for Reanimator, the director of Bride of Reanimator. Uh, it, it's such an insane practical effects scene in the 80s that how they pulled it off is just... It's just sickening, yet mesmerizing. Now, while I love everything that he was able to do and pay homage to things, the one issue that I have... Now, while there are amazing practical effects in this film there are amazing practical effects in this movie oh yes absolutely like probably a master class probably like we i don't think i don't know if we've seen practical effects like this on showcase almost since this movie like i'm hard pressed to think of one that came later that was this good and this chock full of them i would definitely say for like 2000s horror this push the limits of amazing practical effects. My issue with it, though, is that there seems to be a lot of unnecessary CG. 
especially when it came to Grant Grant the Grant Grant creature's tentacles, which could have been done practically if they had just decided not to show everything. Like if they had pulled a, a, a John Carpenter's The Thing and basically did tight shots on the practical effects to make the effects work with the cinematography to blend it together. That the the tentacles, especially when they when they end up going around um, Elizabeth Banks at the end of the film, it just looks. It looks rough. And then those slug creatures. I mean, they look so good in Night of the Creeps. It's all practical effects then. I, I don't understand why they couldn't have gone that route. Because there are a handful of times where you do see a practical effect version of that slug. And it looks really cool. But then, it almost looks like they took B-roll visual effects from the faculty. And said, <laughs> hey, you know what? Let's copy and paste this like 2,000 times over. Well, I th I think um, I I want to come to that like defense a little bit. I mean, we were we are talking about 2006, and uh, by comparison to what we have now, it's still not great, even at the highest budget. And this movie was, by all intents and purposes, not the highest of budgets as well. And I could I could easily see that this is where they wanted to take to cut corners in the cases where the CG looked objectively bad or at at best dated was when you mentioned the slugs before and that was clearly like cg when they were on mass when there were like hundreds of them on screen and they needed to move in a certain way and they clearly did the best that they could with what they could and there are a couple of shots like when they're swarming around nathan fillion and elizabeth banks like that just looks off like that doesn't look like anything it looks like a cartoon wave of worms just coming to them and i can forgive that that's like for the money that you had for the time that you had like you couldn't do that you wanted to convey that and you could easily have done it with what you had and i i get that i do understand that i think James Gunn was extremely ambitious for a first feature. Oh, yes. And I think maybe a little too ambitious with some of the stuff. I love the idea of Giant Brenda. I thought that was cool Oh, my as God, hell. that was hilarious. I love that. So but good. when she starts to tear, it just looks really bad. And then when she explodes out and that wave of, of the slugs comes out, yeah, it, it does not hold up very well. You know? I, it, mm, I, I, w I would agree and disagree. Like... There's a, a suspension of my own disbelief where a CG like that can age well or and or not age well when it was in that sort of like in between period of not looking the best that it could or at least when juxtaposed against practical things or practical effects it just looks very bad. I think that's kind of the bias that we're coming into it with this because there is a very heavy blend of both and when we see those types of shots, like all of those worms on mass just flooding through, like we could obviously tell that it's fake, but when we get a close-up of just the one, like in the bathtub scene, where like she's just wrestling with the one, it's it's amazing because that's all just one practical worm thing. And right, not, not when it's on the, I don't think when it's on the uh, floor. I think once it gets in the bathtub, it's practical when it's moving through the water, but up until then, it still has that CG look to it. Right, now, but still, like the way that it's lit, the way that it's sure, just no, one I, worm, like they yes. took their time with that. It's, Correct, it, yeah. It's clearly, they, they, can, they took their chances and they took their time when they needed to, and I feel like given the time, the budget... And the era that it was in, I feel like that was just a concession that needed to be made, and I can forgive it for that. 
I can to a point. You know, the reason that it's it's very hard for me to is that the practical effects when they are on display are so damn good. Especially a random effect that exists in this is the zombie deer. Like yes. when when Nathan Fillion's fighting the zombie deer, and I'm like, man, that deer that deer, even though you don't see a lot of it, it looks really damn good. And that's what I'm talking about. About you know, you don't have to show every little nook and cranny of it. You can show part of it. And as long as it has this realistic look to it, and it is a thing that actors are actually interacting with, it makes it seem like it's actually there, you know? I mean, it actually seems like it's a real thing, that they actually have to fight, and there are consequences, and there, you know, there's a potential for there for something bad to really happen. Um, and when I see him as CG, it, it just takes me out of it, but that's just because... I'm a big proponent of practical effects. I understand, um, and that's that, that is the hill you Rob Holmes will always die on uh, when it when it comes to when it comes to effects. Absolutely. Now the other the other major problem that I have with this, um, you know, I a lot of horror movies that I like have animal deaths in it, and and I deal with it. I'm not a fan of watching dogs get killed or cats get killed or any animal get killed in this movie. It's done almost to a to a gratuitous nature, to a de gratuitous degree. I'm sorry, to a gratuitous degree, and it's I just you know, that's not what I want to see in this type of film, especially over and over and over and over between whether it's the basement or finding a ton of dog heads in this guy's farm, or you know, right. is it you because you find you find the death of animals particularly off putting? I I find that it, yeah I do, but at the same time. Um, so do a lot of horror fans, you know? Hmm. And I think that if Why you is really, that? uh, let's see. Sometimes I feel that I don't want to make an, a generalized statement, but for me, when it comes to horror films, you know, people make choices in these films. Animals don't. So you don't want to see an animal just killed for no reason. It's like, you don't really want to see a child or an innocent killed for no reason whatsoever if they... Yeah, or like, like you don't want to see just a baby just get right. murdered, you know? And you, it's the you same feel thing. like it's needless and kind of a cheap ploy in the screenplay, or at least in storytelling, just to have something shocking or gory for the sake of it. It's to me, it's in poor taste, but to each their own. And those are the those are the main things that actually take me out of this film. And I would say the other part of it too, I really like the idea of these uh, of the hive mind. I like the idea of the creatures when and you know we see when the girl is trying to get this thing out of her mouth and she bites down on it, she can see where it came from. Now that CG was atrocious. The one where you're seeing these giant CG rats or whatever on this planet all eating each other and there's this... I mean, yes. That, like, now but, that, but that's a whole there, new level of bad. There's Well, there's no new... There's no real way that you could... I, I don't think you could actually convey that in like the, what, two to five second flashes that she sees. It doesn't matter. Uh, that, was, some, that was like pumpkin head three and four sci-fi channel cg I, shit like that looked I, like the, the, they scraped that out like they called up the asylum and said hey man do you have any leftover shit that we can put in our movie perfect man here but here's the thing where again what i'm willing to forgive it is that it is this wild fantastical planet and mo the monster creatures thing of their origin and they are already in in mo in most ways uh poorly rendered cg creatures. yeah but here's the why thing, not man, their it, planet poorly if, rendered cg if you if you can't display it well don't display it you know just it, just call it a loss and have her talk about what she saw you don't have to see it she she explained it to us well enough um 
Interesting. I, I I did not I did not think you would be this uh, this unforgiving to uh, a few of the technical aspects of this movie. Because this movie has so much going for it that when there are glaring flaws in it, where you know a director like James Gunn, even in his early career, this guy knew better. You know, he grew up on the trauma films, man. He knew that practical was the way to go. Do it cheap and do it practical, you know? Um, and, and that's where it loses me. And, and also, one of the things that I think they focus on a little too much in this film is Grant Grant. You know, they focus on his story in the beginning where you're following him for the first half hour before we even get to anything going on. I mean, he gets infected, but we don't, you know, we see him start to change a little bit. Uh, and then we don't even get to them finally seeing him as this weird monster creature until the 45 minute point, And then just shit goes out of control at, the, at then. But you're still following. It's still the story of Grant Grant all the way through. I just wanted more... You wanted more Elizabeth Banks, Nathan Fillion bonding time. You wanted it like a survival type of movie. Yes. Type and of I, thing. Where they, where they come together or like the remnants of the town try to band together, fight off this invasion. People get killed off, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I think that would have been more fun. And also, man, the second these people got infected, they just kill them. Like she just I, shoots that. She shoots the, the deputy in the head. And I'm like, wait, if do you not? Why would you do that? Why well, would here, you just he, decide to kill everything? Like, let's here, say here's the type of thing that, like, I kind of that again. I'm I feel like I need to be standing up for this movie a bit more. For uh, a, I, I we barely get to talk about like how stacked this cast is. This is like the heavy hitter kingpins of character actors and B list actors. Uh, like almost every single person in this cast, we have all seen them in in great roles as uh, character actors, and they get to shine in their own great cartoonish way here. And I think Elizabeth Banks is probably one of the best actresses that I have ever seen give this delivery of a, a, a like, bewildered and scared and forlorn and apprehensive type of character where, she, like, when she's got that shotgun and about to kill somebody, you can clearly see the doubt and, like, shock in her face in a fun and cartoony way but still like hilariously conveyed like amy adams entangled like it's over the top but you get it and when i to me the appeal of these tentacle creatures and this meteorite alien creature that lands and embeds itself in michael rucker's chest is it's not a complete mental takeover like you know, like Vincent D'Onofrio in uh, Men in Black or something. It's not like somebody wearing his skin. It's something tinkering with his brain because he has memories and agency. He knows who he is, but he has this urge to do this one thing. Like he still puts up the facade of husband, even though he's clearly like disfigured and completely like messed up. And to, to be fair, like the sort of like character B performances of our protagonists, Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks, that's kind of inev inevitable. Like they have the meet cute. They have the, uh, what would you call it? The, like the inherent bond that you know is going to carry them throughout the movie when they eventually like, you know, fall for one another. Well, you know, end. you know where it's going to go. I mean, exactly. obviously it's boy likes girl, girls with someone else. Sure. That someone else ends up being, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's like a high school movie. He's and the I nice guy. She's with the asshole jock. The asshole jock goes too far and is your main bad guy. And they have to, you know, team up to 
to fight back against them. It, it's it's just one of those type of stories, except in a horror uh, format. Exactly, and I think what James Gunn wants to do here is that he's a little bit more indulgent with the things that he likes in these B-horror movies. He wants to show you more of the monster conflict or the preparation phase of, you know, getting all of these animals killed or getting, the, like, fat Brenda, like, pregnant with the worms or something like that. Like, they want to build all of the wacky, crazy alien shit uh, beforehand because the characters are ultimately caricatures of those archetypes like we all know who nathan fillion is playing in this movie we all know what elizabeth banks's role in is in this and it's more of wanting to just sick this like disgusting alien form on them and just see them react and I feel like that's the kind of agency that he kind of had where everybody knows what's going to happen to these types of characters. We don't need to see them bond. We just want to see them be put in these wacky, fun scenarios. And that's kind of what I was in for. Right. Well, here's the thing. I don't hate this movie. I, it no. sounds like I do. I, I don't hate it. <laughs> I will say you are being uh, far more critical than I thought you were, but I'm glad to know that you actually like it. That's the problem with it, though, is that I I love the characterizations in this film. Like, all the characters are amazing. The practical, the practical effects are so damn good. The lighting is amazing. The production design, the sound, everything about this movie. It has the trappings of an amazing film. But to me... You know, it's let down by focusing on Grant Grant too much instead of the creatures as a whole and the characters and trying to fight back against them. And also, you know, things like a, a slow-mo, overly CGI final explosion and weird CG tentacle effects. And that's a prominent thing in this is the tentacles that come out of his chest never look real. The ones that are always flailing away from him never look real. The stuff that's close to him you know, small things look great, but it's so jarring. And then when it just comes down to, like, the slugs and I'm waiting, and when I finally got to see them again today, because I hadn't watched this movie in years, and I watched it again this morning, and I'm waiting for the slugs, and they just all pour out, and I'm like, oh, God, they look so terrible. <laughs> it, it was just very disheartening because when I think of this movie... When I think of this movie as a whole, I think, wow, it's a really fun creature feature. It's very 80s, and and it's just so cool, and the creature designs are amazing. But when you watch it, all of the stuff that I had forgotten about when I saw this in theaters just came rushing back to me. Interesting. And it, and it just kind of let me down again. Um, and that's interesting to see its moving parts kind of cracking at the seams for you. Yeah. Uh, to, it's to it's really on, frustrating, to, to man. To think that on its own, like, it clearly has more good going for it than bad. Yes. Like, obviously it does. And that, that's that's why I get so angry about it, because it has so much more good than bad in it, but the bad is just still there. It's, it's holding and it it's, back from greatness, really. And it's glaring, you know? Interesting. Um, but that being said, you know, it, it once this was out on DVD for a while, it found a cult following. People love this movie. Uh, it is now, I mean, this, this film is really what made James Gunn's career. I mean, granted, yeah, he did 2010 super, but a Slither, completely Slither different had, type of movie by the time that was made, which was four years later, Slither was already a cult classic. 
Yeah. It, you know, and people knew him for that. And then he did PG porn, which was always amazing. Have you seen PG porn? I have not seen PG Dude. porn. I don't even know what that is. Oh my. Um, <laughs> okay. And Captain America putting it on the list. Dude, no. PG porn is a, a short series that he did. It was a web series. And it had a bunch of different porn stars in it, but things would never go well for people. Boy. And see, that, and that's the kind of shit that brings me back to movies like this where clearly he wanted to throw fun stuff at a wall. And, like, for the most part, he gloriously succeeds. And it's that type of charm that carries him through every movie and... As he gets more, and he goes more and more throughout his career, he gets more disciplined, and he can easily make Guardians of the Galaxy. You could see, like, the skeletons and structure and fun that make up those big blockbuster movies that he's now getting his hands on. Yeah, even sometimes the, the not so great CG. Well, yes, because, they're, again, they don't have money, and it was 2006. No, no, I'm talking about even some of the Guardians ones. I mean, for the most part, the Guardians CG is, is pretty good, but there's a few moments where I'm like, oh, God, green screen. Oh, God, green screen. Yes, it's a shame that James Gunn did all of the CG in all of his movies by himself. That's, that's exactly why. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But It's exactly why no, 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 uh, that's all not, of it's bad. It's not why it's all bad. I know, um, I know. But, you know, I think there there's a lot of really good stuff going on with this film. I just get upset by it, knowing that it could have been done with all practical effects and been very effective, especially when all the stuff that he's pulling from were all done in practical effects. So, exactly. And so why I, would you I, not follow suit, right? Sure, exactly. I mean, to me, this is an obvious recommend. I, I, I couldn't have had more fun with this. Uh, for what it, it knows exactly what it is, and it tries very, very well and pulls off everything almost effortlessly to just give a great B-movie vibe, the feel of a good old-school B-movie that I'm quickly becoming accustomed to, all here. And I think it's it's a perfect emulation of a lot of what those things are. And even to an extent of an annoying bit of, you know, CG or uh, juxtaposed with practical effects, even the frustratingly bad parts uh, are there in this B-movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you're right, because when you look back at a lot of B-movies, um, some of the more fantastical ones in the late 80s and early 90s did use blue screen, and you could tell it was an overlay, and, and stuff didn't always look great. Um, and I guess it's something when you grow up with it, you kind of tolerate it, and I grew up with that, but I CG came out, you know, during our lifetimes, really, like when we were... Sure. CG I would say, as we knew is we right. know it. Yeah, because now I'm thinking back and I'm like, well, we have Tron and we have all these other movies that technically use CG, um, but CG as we know it, yes, uh, came out came about in our lifetimes, probably around our teenage years. So when we saw it for the first time, it wasn't something we were fully used to. Right. Exactly. And uh, in spite of its flaws, I think you would say you recommend this as well. Oh, I recommend it. I, I'm not going to not recommend this movie just because I have a a personal issue with with CG and, and and animal killings and stuff like that. Um, I still think it's it's a fun movie. Uh, Nathan Fillion's great. Elizabeth Banks is awesome. Michael Rooker, he's still a lot of fun. I his character is great at times and at other times it's a little too much. Uh, but I mean, yeah, he's a shitty guy in this movie. <laughs> like, well, it's just it's just no he gets, doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still a it's still a fun movie all around. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a recommend for me as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, good to know. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that is going to wrap it up this week for Oh the Horror. What do we have in the pocket next week, Rob? Well, I've been thinking about a few things as far as um, you know, some horror movies that maybe people don't really know too much about. And... Oh, good. They're perfectly in my shoes. Right, right, right. So a lot of people know about Suspiria. You've seen Suspiria, right? Uh, I don't believe I have. Okay, then. Let's, <laughs> it looks like let's hold off. Then. Yeah, I guess our next film is going to be Suspiria. I was going to go with Inferno, which is the second film in the Mother of Tears trilogy. But since you haven't seen Suspiria, let us watch that for next week. Very well. It shall be that. All right, then. Uh, That is going to do it for us this week on Oh the Horror. Feel free to give us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. We're pretty much on all of those platforms. Uh, And if you want to get in contact with us, feel free to hit us up on Twitter or Facebook at Oh the Horror Cast, as well as at Oh the Horror Cast at gmail.com for email purposes as well. And uh, thanks again for listening so much this week. And uh, we appreciate you spending time with us and listening to all those great movies that we have come to love and not so much love. Uh, but for uh, for this week, I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. We'll talk to you next time. See you guys. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Come, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.